Hello, welcome to Money Sucks, how to not get your money sucked out of your pocket. I'm your host, Eric, and I just want to let you know that this episode is about why you should listen to this podcast. Well, I listened to a guy named Osho, and I haven't stopped listening to him. And because of this pandemic, um, or I should say, I'm okay during this pandemic because of all the things that he taught me throughout the years. You know, you got these guys, these gurus that were, are, you know, high on the hill. They got millions of dollars. That's what they do. They sell you their products. So they're guru and they're saying, this is how to make money. But what they're doing is they're selling you how to make money and they're making money by supposedly telling you how to do it. But it's almost like teachers, those are the people that can't do, so they teach. The teacher that I have, Osho, he does what he says. So he's never made a million dollars in a year. You know, he's he's not a rich guy. But the coolest thing about him is he kind of designs his life around one mantra, one phrase. That is, how to make money without working. So how do you make money without working? Very interesting things to think about. How do you do it? Well, he has a very interesting life, and I want to let you know all about it. Yeah, he uh, he is a guy that basically does what he wants and follows his dreams. He told me one day he wanted to fly. Well, guess what? He learned to fly. He has an aircraft that's incredibly reasonable to fly. It's not expensive. Uh, he, in fact, made his whole house around that principle because he wanted to do it so much, so he just did that. He also is a guy that kind of likes toys, which I also like. Um, when we say save and, you know, uh, try to uh, not get a money suck, well, yeah, but you got to have toys, right? And he, he's a guy that doesn't live by budgets, which I love, and it's just something to hear. Now, you've had a ton of jobs, and some of them were quote-unquote real jobs, I mean, you worked on jet engines, which is an amazing thing. You're a carpenter, a chauffeur, chemical inspector, been a coach, a meat cutter, counselor, electrician, a factory worker. And there was one thing that kind of just was off to the side. And I thought, wow, that's really different. You were a realtor. And the realtor story I want to get into because you kind of got the bottom of the barrel. You had some smart things that you did, like one thing that you'd mentioned about your car. So you had an MG, which was like a small, like a, a convertible Miata. Isn't that car like, like a Miata nowadays? Mm-hmm, probably, right. And that was smart because back in the day, people used to like to go in the nice cars and drive around the neighborhood. And these realtors thought they were had the upper hand because they had these nice cars. So they got a lot of people looking at stuff. But you were smart. Because nobody wanted to look at stuff with your car because they couldn't. They actually had to drive their own, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. You got it right. So that's amazing. So that was just so smart. So you had only the people that were really interested, not the looky-loos or people just looking around. So that was really, really smart. But I want to share with them the realtor story. You kind of had, how do I put it, you had the the bottom of the barrel stuff to do. Like one thing that you had to do, can you clarify that story again for me again? So basically you had to kick people out of their homes, correct? Yeah, I was a new guy on the block, so to speak, in the realtor's office. And uh, we had a list from the bank of foreclosed homes. 
And uh, they assigned me to go to these homes and tell the people that the bank was going to ask them to leave uh, and they were, and the bank was going to sell the homes to someone else. Well, I found out that the bank was only charging a $600 down payment and they could buy the home on contract if they wanted to, or anyone wanted to, I mean. So I went to the home that were being foreclosed on and I told the renters that they could buy this home if they could come up with a $600 payment down. And quite a few of them did. And so I did a good job of selling homes that summer where the other realtors had a little bit of a hard time. I, I took a situation that was bad for me. I didn't like telling the people that they would have to leave their house. And I, I helped the bank out by selling the houses to them. And every everybody had a win-win on that one. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Uh, very, very uh, poignant for what's happening now. I mean, a lot of people have to do something that they not, might not be very comfortable with. But a good point is like to pivot. They, I was watching this show. It's a funny show called uh, uh, Silicon Valley. And they were talking about how apps, you know, they might make an app for something, but then they pivot it and it turns into something else and it becomes a real big success. And that's kind of what you did. You had to be a realtor. You had to make money. So it was a job. And then you had a a job that was kind of rough in that job. They gave you, like you said, you were the new guy. So you got the the tough jobs. But you turned it around and you made it an asset. That That's just a beautiful story. I, I like to sort of look outside the box or look a little bit different at things. Uh, it's so easy to just go along with the mainstream people and follow all the rules. I don't say don't follow the rules. It's always best to follow most of the rules. But if you can modify or change part of a rule and still not get in trouble doing it, that's what I sort of like to do in most of my jobs. And then the job does not become a job. It becomes a, a fun thing to do. And so I, I work and I really don't work. I just go and have a good time doing something, get paid for it. Yeah, I love that. And as a matter of fact, you even went farther uh, later on. You started doing things that you really wanted to do and things that people don't think of necessarily to make money but um you you're you're an entertainer uh you do balloons you uh, you were a talent agent a, a, a gymnast a handyman hypnotist you do magic uh stilts unicycle puppeteer um but the thing about um one of them when when i thought okay this because those are kind of fun things and sometimes you don't make money at them but you pretty much can make money at anything because when I said the last one, which was a bullwhip artist, you said, oh, yeah, I had a lot of shows with that. You actually did pretty well with the bullwhip, yes? Yes. Uh, we practiced the bullwhip in, in the gym. We would take uh, uh, and cut paper with the whip and we'd get a, take a cigarette out of the mouth and, and make noise with the whip. And it was really a lot of fun. But then we found out that people really enjoyed watching us. We would be practicing in the gym and see the people sitting around and watching what we're doing. And so we decided, hmm, maybe we can uh, put on shows and get paid for this. And, and we did that, and we also went on the Bozo show, and we performed for Bozo, and, and that was a, a thrill, too. So there I was practicing with the bullwhip, and then it turned into a, a good part-time job. Oh, by the way, did you get paid for that, being on that show? I'm curious. On Bozo? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, they, they paid at the time. It was $90, of course, $90 went a little bit further than it does today, but it wasn't a lot. It was just like a standard fee, and so we got the standard fee, and we got to meet Bozo, which a lot of people had to wait six or ten years to do. 
Oh, and speaking of, of doing a, a pivot, that you also are a unicyclist. And the unicycle, you actually made your first one. Um, you said it wasn't wasn't uh, really great. It was, you had to kind of mess with it to get it right, correct? Well, I saw the unicycle. I can't remember where, but I decided, boy, I'd like to ride one of those. But there was nobody selling unicycles then, and so I had to make my first one. And I got a machinist to mill the hub down in the center, and I learned how to spoke a wheel and put it all together. And when I first rode it, there was so much pressure on the pedals that the metal that we used wasn't strong enough, and it just the pedals just broke off. And so I finally did have to buy a professional one, and then from that one I learned how to ride the unicycle and also then put on shows and do juggling on the unicycle and and I just had a great time with the unicycle and did pay off uh, making me money. And I made other unicycles for other people, the high giraffe unicycles. I might have made six or ten of those. Uh, there were a couple in the Ringling Brothers show. There were a couple at the Gamma Phi Circus down at Illinois State University. And I made them for my friends. And, and we, we just had a great time riding unicycles out in the street even and, and practicing. And, 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 and again, having fun making money with the unicycle. That's very cool. And then unicycle, of course, is close to a bicycle, which you uh, started making special ones. And I definitely want to share the story of how you met somebody famous um, and then you made them a very special bike. Can you tell us that story? Because this is amazing. So here he is. Uh, Osho is doing what he loves. He's having a good time. Uh, he decides to make other bicycles because he just enjoys doing it. And then this amazing star, well, tell them the story. Uh, if I remember right, the one that I talked about was uh, when my son was working down at uh, Disneyland on California. Uh -huh. He also rides unicycle and he does tricks on a, on a bicycle. And he rides a little miniature bicycle that I made. And I had to take a regular bicycle, cut it all down, make it really small take the wheels and weld the spokes in, and it was a tiny miniature bicycle. Well, like you say, a, a, a sort of famous person was sitting out in the audience, and he saw my son riding this little tiny bicycle, and he asked one of the guards there, where did he get there? Can I find out where he got that bicycle? And the guard went up and asked my son, Bobby, you know where he got it? And, and it just so happened that I was in Disneyland that day, and... And I found out that Pee Wee Herman was asking me where my son got the bicycle. Wow. And of course, I was the one that made it for him. And so I was sitting there with Pee Wee Herman, eating his french fries, sharing them with him. <laughs> I love that story. And he ordered a bicycle for, from me, and I made one for him and take, took it out to California and, and Disneyland. Now, the reason why he was in Disneyland is that he did a lot of the over voices for some of the characters and, and statues and that, that were working in Disneyland. I didn't even know that until you told me that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so here you are, a guy that just loves, you know, messing with bikes, riding the bikes, uh, and then you get this brush with fame with this uh, famous person who wants uh, what you have, which is just an amazing thing. Um, talk about a pivot from just something that you enjoy to, you know, getting – just a, a great experience, you know, making some money at the time, but also getting such a great experience. So, um, once again, I was telling everybody how you, your mantra is how to make money without working. Well, that, that's a perfect example. You, you did stuff, but you, it was a hobby, right? Really? 
picking the bikes? Well, yeah, it was a hobby. It was a way of life, uh, getting back to making the bicycles. Uh, Ringling Brothers, like I say, had a couple high unicycles and a couple small miniature bikes. And so I, I did make some money there, but it was still fun. And I got a chance to get in and see the Ringling Brothers show many, many times without paying anything. So in a way, that's like making money also. Now, on top of that, I made a fall-apart bicycle. And my son, Bobby, circus boy, uh, would ride the bike into the arena. And he was in what they call the opening. And they would get this crowd going and, and applauding and things like that. And he would ride his bicycle in, and it would fall apart. The handlebars would come off, the seat would come off. And the bicycle would turn into a unicycle, which was a very strange thing. And then he'd ride the unicycle off and everybody would clap, and, you know, and, and do that. <laughs> and we just had a good time with that fall apart bicycle. And so I sold a few fall apart bicycles to some of the performers in Ringling Brothers. Yeah, I've seen that thing, and that's the only time I've seen it. Talk about a great, uh, uh, you know, a twist on, you know, I've seen unicyclists, but i never seen anybody take a bicycle and turn it into a unicycle. So that's really a unique, unique uh, thing to see, and that was just an amazing thing that you did. I want to talk a little bit about uh, one day you went up to me, or we were talking, and you just said, you know, I want to fly. You just kind of, you just all of a sudden were really interested in flight, and I definitely want to touch on this uh talk about making a dream and then uh, turning it into a living and stuff um because everything around what you where you live i i kind of mentioned that you you made that kind of a aircraft playground if you will you you uh, uh everything's about flying and you you've found a few ways to make money at this beautiful hobby so kind of elaborate so basically tell me the story and how this happened well my wife sunshine and i had an rv and we decided to take a trip out west and see some of the states out there. And he has a cousin that lives in Washington State. And we're driving, and we stopped at the Washington State house, and he had an airplane. And so he decided to take us for a ride in his airplane. So and I went up. We had a ride in the airplane, and I just really, really loved it. I always did like flying, and I, I thought it was great, but I haven't flown for a long time. So while we were talking, and we were going to go up into Canada, and we were talking with his cousin, he said he's going to the Oshkosh Air Show in July, I believe it was. And we were going to start to come back in around July. So we traveled through Canada, and we're coming back, and we're coming down the state of, uh, of Wisconsin. And, and uh, Sunshine and I decided to stop at, uh, at the air show. We thought, oh, it can't be that big. We'll be able to find them. Well, we looked around and we finally did find them, but as we were looking around, we stopped at this one booth and they were shooting a commercial for their aircraft. And they asked me if I wanted I and Sunshine to sit in the airplane. I said, sure, we'll do that. So we sat in there and they shot their commercial. And, and afterwards they said, we're, we're taking people up for rides after the air show. Would you like to go up for a ride for sitting in the aircraft? I said, sure, we'll do that. So Sunshine she went up first. Uh, and she said, uh, Osho, you don't have to go up. We're going to buy one. So right there at air show, we bought a aircraft. And ever since, we've been flying. Now, I say we've been flying, but I then decided that I wanted to become a dealer for this aircraft company. And they let me become a dealer. So I was a dealer, and I'm selling aircraft, and I'm teaching people how to fly. And, of course, when I'm teaching people how to fly, they're paying me. So I get to fly for nothing, so to speak, and actually make money because they pay me to teach them how to fly and we go up together and fly. 
And then also we bought 10 acres of uh, ground out here, big enough to hold this ultralight aircraft. And we fly out of here, so I have my own airport, and, and we just have a great time. Amazing. So basically you got three streams of income on something that you love. First of all, you just wanted to do it, so you did it. Um, but you, you're, you uh, have a uh, way of teaching people. There's a, actually a course, right, that's certified. What do they call that? What, what kind of instructor are you? I'm a certified flight instructor, and it's with the FAA. It's a federal course that they have to take and pass, and I have to uh, teach them properly. And then when they get done being taught, they have to go to another instructor and be tested from this other instructor to see if I taught them correctly. So it's a, a double check of, with the uh, with the FAA. Sure. So that so that's what so that's one stream. The second stream is well, people have to be interested in it. So what do you got to do? You got to take them for a ride, correct? So that's also another mm-hmm. stream, correct? So it's basically I don't know what we call it a observation ride or just a pleasure ride. What do you think? It's an introductory flight ah, ride, is what we go. call it. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, they they get to fly the machine. Uh, they get to land it, and it, and it just uh, it's just great because I tell people don't go for a ride unless you want to buy one, and it's pretty <laughs> true. Most of the time when they go for a ride, they want to buy one. So then I get to teach them. They pay me, and I get to fly again for free. Wow! So you get to teach, you get to fly, and give people introductory flights, and you even found a new a uh, few other ways to make money with that uh, business. Correct. Right. And even now, uh, people have called me up and, and asked for uh, flight instruction. And so I'm still teaching people now at the time that we're going through. And it works out, you know, really, really well. And I love your uh, form of advertising. I'm not huge on Internet and have to follow and being number one on Google and all that stuff. What I love about your business is they look up and they see you flying around. Uh, like I said, you're in a rural town. And they look up, and then they find out, where's that guy from? And they either follow you back, or um, they find out from word of mouth, who is that guy? And they say, that guy is such and such, and then you're all good to go. And, and another perk is that we do fly around our town, and actually we got three town, little towns in a row here. And if we go to the store or go to an automobile place for parts or wherever we go, I usually say, we're the ones that fly those aircraft up in the air real low that you see. And they, oh, we love you guys flying around. You wave to us and we wave back. We're allowed to fly low with what we have here. We're not following the regular FAA rules. And and people get to know us all around. Wherever I go, they say, oh, we're the ones that fly those aircraft that you see. Well, there you are. You you got to work towards the ultimate goal, make money without working. That's uh, what it's all about. Follow your dreams, follow your passions. I'm going to keep on trying to do that. I'm going to try to save as much as I can from Money Sucks, get a real efficient uh, household going. Uh, and the cool thing is, Osho says you don't need a budget. I'm telling you from a guy that is very, very thrifty. If you talk to anybody that knows him, they will tell you that, you know, he he can uh, do amazing things with a very little bit of, of, of capital. It's just incredible. Um, if you got to get a job uh, and you need to, you know, make it work, do it and do something amazing with it. And, uh, and uh, once you can get back to what you love, you know, make a hobby um, and make it a money 
make it a money making venture. So, you know, your hobby that you love to do, uh, see how you can monetize that. There, there is a way. Um, and then ideally make your hobby, your full-time thing. I've been gigging for a long time, full-time, and I really don't want to do anything else. So I'm going to keep on, uh, trying to do that. And then, uh, the beautiful thing that we learned today, if you want an airport, you can have one. This has been an edition of Money Sucks. I'm your host, Eric. I once again want to thank my host, co-host, Osho. And of course, Terry Finnegan, or Finns, uh, for playing these great tunes on the guitar and doing the music for the show.